welcome back to In the Booth, a podcast by the Frederick News Post. My name is Jillian Atelsik, and I cover education. As you may know, in this series, I am sitting down with each of the 16 candidates for the Frederick County Board of Education. This is a really crowded field, and there's been a lot of money in the race so far, and we figured it was important to sit down with everybody and ask them about the most pressing issues facing Frederick County Public Schools. Today, my guest is Justy Thomas. Justy is a stay-at-home mom of seven from Mount Airy, and she told me that if she were elected to the board, her main focus would be on reducing class sizes. Hope you all enjoy the conversation. Stay tuned for more over the next few weeks. And don't forget, primary elections are July 19th, and early voting begins July 7th. All right, so today we have Justy Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Can you tell me about where you're from in the county or the area? Um, I am from... Western, uh, Frederick County, Mount Airy specifically. Okay. And what's your day job? My day job is a stay-at-home mom of seven children. Wow, seven. Yeah. That's a lot. I imagine that keeps you busy. (laughs) It does keep me very busy. Have you ever campaigned or or run for any type of public office before? No, this is the first time I've run for public office. Well, can you tell me about what made you decide to want to run? What, What issues do you see as most important? Well, over the past um, few years, I have grown increasingly skeptical of what has been going on in the county as far as um, educational decisions. Um, You know, Frederick County's FCPS's uh, slogan is uh, fulfilling the promise of public education by reaching, challenging, and preparing students. And I'm not certain that that's happening. Uh, classrooms are really full, way too full. Kids have lost a lot from the pandemic. There's been questionable curriculum decisions. Filling teaching positions has been very difficult. And so I decided rather than complain, I would do something. Okay. When did you decide to, to start that campaign? Um, in earnest, not until after the new year. I this fall, I was talking to friends about things and several encouraged me that I should run for school board. So my husband and I talked about it and decided that we would give it a whirl. Okay, great. Well, you you mentioned a couple things sort of um, vaguely, you said class sizes and curriculum decisions. But uh, can you talk to me a little bit more about what you see as some of the most pressing issues or some things that you're going to be focusing your campaign on specifically? Sure. I think classroom sizes, uh, school overcrowding is one of the most pressing needs. Um, personally, my uh, sixth child was in, is in kindergarten this year. She started the year with 28 children in her classroom, mm. and that was the same um, for all the other four classrooms at our school. And um, the administration requested a contingency position. Parents were pleading for more teaching. And eventually the school board did provide that contingency um, position in the fall. But it took until February to have that position filled and for the classrooms to be split up into a more manageable size. Frederick County has some of the largest on average class sizes at all grade levels. And considering the amount of learning loss uh, over the past two years, having 28 kindergartners, 27 second graders, 31 fourth graders in a classroom, those teachers 
they can't meet the needs of their students. If they try to break up into small groups, the groups aren't even small. So I think that one of the major ways that we can tackle uh, the, the learning loss um, to prepare our children for the future is to reduce class sizes so that the teachers can meet individual needs more effectively. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you had mentioned curriculum decisions. What were you talking about there? Well, it, I know the school board has tries to be as transparent as possible with um, what different uh, textbooks and curriculum are being considered, what has come from the curriculum and instruction team. But it still seems like parents don't know that's happening. I've answered questions multiple times that curriculum is available for review, and parents don't even know that. Um, you know, just recently, the board meeting that went into great disarray about the health curriculum, that was not the first time that that curriculum was in front of the board or the board talked about it. It was just um, the first time parents decided to engage with it. And I know that the board had chosen to um, just affirm what the state provided, but clearly there is at least a very vocal subset of parents that are concerned about what that entails. Another, I would say that it probably extends into other uh, subject areas as well. Okay. All right, so if you were elected, you would be serving um, alongside the first new superintendent that FCPS has had in about 12 years. Um, I'm wondering what sort of plans or thoughts you might have about how you would work with Dr. Dyson and anything you see that the district could maybe change or do better as it sort of enters this new chapter, at least in terms of leadership. I'm very excited um, for the opportunity to work with Dr. Dyson. I am excited for uh, Frederick County to bring in uh, someone from the outside, uh, someone with a different experience. Um, so I, that's okay. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Just do you see what what kind of things come to mind when you think about what you might like to to see the district do differently in this new phase with a new leader? Um, I think I'd like to see the district uh, tackle um, the DOJ investigation with uh, special needs students. Clearly, um, that is a heartbreaking situation. And some things have gone very awry, uh, probably at all levels. And so I would love to be involved in tackling that so that uh, our most vulnerable students are... um, protected so that teachers and staff are equipped to serve all of our children and that there are clear guidelines that are followed for the different situations that may arise. Okay. Well, that was actually the topic of my next question, uh, the DOJ investigation. I'm wondering how you would plan to navigate the continued impacts of that investigation and, and the way that it's affecting families, teachers, students, and any ideas you have for changes that might improve the special education programs? I think listening to those affected, both parents and uh, teachers and staff and administrators, uh, 
is the best way to start. I know that's already happening. Um, so that is encouraging. And then from that, I really think that there needs to be an likely a large overhaul so that administrators have standards that are consistent throughout all the schools in the county and they're enforced the same. And then the teachers are trained and equipped to teach the students in their classrooms. And much of the problem comes to under, comes from understaffing when a classroom is supposed to be a three to one ratio and it's six to one. That's, that's not fair. That's not fair to the teacher. That's not fair to the students. That's not fair to the SEIAs that are in those classrooms. They can't do their job. Likewise, uh, the SEIAs are critical to a successful special education program, especially for the most vulnerable students. They are the people that are, um, that probably know these students most intimately, and they are the people that are able to help deescalate when something is going wrong or someone is confused or just having a bad day. We all have bad days. And right now, our SEIAs are poorly paid. It is a rotating assignment. Um, they're under thrown enough of them, and they can't do their their job. And I feel like sometimes it appears that they also feel like they can't speak up when there is a problem. Mm, okay. All right. Well, you sort of touched on this this next question as well, but I want to talk a little bit more about the recent uh, community discussions around the family life and human sexuality curriculum. Um, you sort of touched on the idea of transparency in the board and um, making sure parents are really aware of what's going on, but I'm wondering what you think about the curriculum changes itself. So the district says that it's aiming to make its lessons more inclusive of all different gender identities and, and sexual orientations, but then there's a contingent of people who are upset by this. They feel it's age inappropriate uh, and not really relevant to the classroom instruction. So can you talk to me a little bit about both, you know, where you stand on that issue and also how you think, what you think about the way that this discussion and debate has played out in the community over the last month or so? Well, personally, I think that um, we need to be teaching all of our students, that all people have innate dignity and worth, regardless if they look like you, think like you, act like you. And that needs to begin at the youngest ages. For example, in a pre-kindergarten and kindergarten, it is entirely appropriate to teach students that all families are good families. It's entirely appropriate to teach children consent, that they can say no to somebody touching their body. That's a physical safety item that can prevent tragedy down the road that they know they don't have to be touched if they don't want to be touched. As the children get older, this is this is reality. All families are good families. There's many different families and students represented at FCPS. And in order for all the students of FCPS to learn most effectively. They need to feel safe. They need to feel like people are at least trying to understand what um, challenges each individual might have. 
I think that um, that these are conversations that need to happen. Ideally, they would happen at home. I, I mean, my husband and I take very seriously training our children um, and talking about our children and dialoguing with our children. And, you know, my oldest is in the eighth grade. So we've been up through middle school family life and talking at home about what's being taught at school and seeing how that might apply to their life and to their friends and to their teachers and how they would conduct themselves um, with individuals who may see the world differently than they do or experience the world differently than they do. Mm. Okay. So do you, are you saying you, you support the changes to the curriculum? I think that I have not done an in-depth study of the curriculum. I have looked at it from the state's website. On the whole, I don't see anything that is I overly ob- object to such that I would want to throw the whole thing out. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main things that I'm a little nervous about is just the addition of potential teaching in the junior year of high school, not because these students don't need to have these conversations, because certainly they do, but just that they have so limited time for mm-hmm. all of their academic studies that adding an additional requirement there might be difficult just logistically. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Well, on the topic of transparency and sort of community trust, um, I don't know if you have reviewed the results of a survey that was done by the firm that was responsible for finding Dr. Dyson and, and hiring her. Well, the board's responsible for hiring her, but, yeah. but they went out and found yeah. her. So so the, the results of this survey showed um, among the people who responded some pretty high levels of distrust, um, a, a sort of lack of confidence both academically and just um, communication-wise in the way that the district is being run. And it seems like that that's an idea that you're sort of hinting at here when you talk about making sure parents are more familiar with the process. So I'm wondering, do you have any ideas about how you might work to improve that trust with the community or build transparency on the board? Well, I think one of the ways we can build trust is by having parents sit on the board people that are in the trenches, that who have students who are going to school every day, um, receiving the lessons, interacting with peers and teachers. Um, when you are, I think that makes it easier to, to trust somebody who's making decisions on your behalf. It's also up to parents to pay attention to what's going on. There's no lack of find out first that come, you know, come through your email inbox, schedules are posted. So it's very convenient to suggest that you don't know when in fact it is there if you care to find out. Um, I think that um, for curriculum, for example, I love that parents have the opportunity to see and review. I like that parents have the opportunity to opt out if they feel that's in the best um, interest of their students. But parents don't need to like everything. You don't have to agree with everything that is being taught. There is great value in diversity of thinking and in reading voices that you dissent with, especially as children get into the high school levels. Um, I think parents, and I I am one. Next year, I'll have seven children in the public school system, ranging mm-hmm. from kindergarten up into the high school. Wow. And we have to trust the educators that we've chosen to use. We are choosing to use public education to educate our children. 
on the flip side, our educators need to be trustworthy to teach facts, to teach lessons, to teach um, children different ways of and theories and ways of thinking and helping people learn how to um, critically think about something, to logically come to a conclusion about a particular topic. Um, and we need to trust that our children are not necessarily going to be indoctrinated. That's a strong word, but with things that aren't facts, they need to be indoctrinated with the facts. And then when it is something that isn't necessarily a fact, they need to be exposed to all the different viewpoints and then allow the students, um, especially into the high school years to make decisions and come to their own conclusions and understandings. Are there any particular subject areas you're talking about when you say um, you're worried about indoctrination? I think that the, there is fear. Um, I'm not necessarily fearful, but I've heard fear expressed, um, particularly around the new health and sexuality curriculum, you know, the hot, hot topic of critical race theory and what that might look like or anytime the word diversity is used I think there is a lot of fear that different uh, ideas are not being presented as ideas but are rather being presented as a settled fact okay well, switching gears a little bit, uh, another concern that's been expressed by a lot of board members and, and staff members is the issue of staff recruitment and retention. So pay for FCPS employees is pretty consistently lower than pay for similar positions in nearby counties. And uh, this has led to sort of a struggle in some areas, not just for certificated teaching staff, but also for instructional assistants and other support workers. So do you have any thoughts about how you might work to mitigate that? I mean, gosh, I mean, money is money is the answer. I haven't studied the budget. I'm so glad that despite the county not giving the school system as much money as they requested, they've expressed that they are um, determined to continue to offer the increase in pay um, that was agreed upon. That's true. I mean, Class size is very important to me, and one of the quickest ways to help mitigate that is by being able to fulfill all of the positions that are currently available. When you have empty teaching positions and empty instructional aid positions, people are being pulled in all sorts of directions. So we do. We need to offer a competitive salary. We need to offer competitive benefits. Why would you teach in Frederick County if you can drive 10 minutes down the road and make another Ten or $15,000 a year. This is going to be a continued problem as the county continues to grow. Um, and so we're going to need to work with developers and, you know, decision makers as far as zoning and things like that um, to make sure that there is funding to cover the increased number of students and then the additional teaching positions and administrating positions and lunch service positions and all of the things that go into making a school run. 
you said work with developers, like construction work developers. Well, well, for example, if you think about the the Lansdale development um, mm-hmm. in Southern Frederick County, they built many beautiful homes on that farmland, and I think that people should be allowed to sell their property um, to developers if they feel like that's the best um, thing for their family. But that was an influx of a lot of students. And so our elementary school was involved in the last, well, I guess there's one going on currently, the previous um, redistricting study. And our elementary school increased in student population by nearly 200 students. Wow. um, And went from being under capacity to now being on the restricted list for next school year, which means it's at full capacity. I think that it is unwise from a county level to allow developers to build hundreds of homes without, at the very least, allocating funds to um, expand additional existing schools, provide funds to hire more teachers so that all of those students that they are essentially welcoming into their homes um, can be cared for. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, switching gears again, I want to talk about um, sort of equity and diversity, which is another topic that has been discussed a lot at board meetings and just in the community recently. So um, when we're talking about staff, an interesting thing that I'm asking folks about is the way that um, the demographics of FCPS teachers don't mirror the demographics of the community. The district is really open about this. They, they've acknowledged that they're not even close to that goal of having the staff at least somewhat resemble the student body. So there's talk of hiring a, uh, a position in the HR department who would specifically focus on minority recruitment. I'm wondering what you think about that or, or other ways that we could sort of boost the diversity in our teaching staff, if that's something you think is important. Oh, I absolutely think it's important for students to see themselves mirrored in classroom teachers, in administrators, in the superintendent, um, so that all students can see that if they wanted to, they could be a teacher too, or they could be a school principal, or they could do anything. So I do think that mirroring the diversity in the county is essential. If hiring someone to focus on minority recruitment is the best way to do that, then I would be in favor of that. I haven't hired teachers before, so it's hard for me to speak to what the best way is. That seems completely reasonable to me, that it would um, open up doors to potentially historically African-American colleges or other places um, to recruit teachers to come join FCPS. And with supporting students of color, on the, on the flip side, we had this incident at Middletown Middle a couple of months ago where three students are facing hate crime charges right now for a racist image that was shared on social media. And I'm just curious if you have thoughts about, you know, responding not only to that incident, because um, that's been talked about and dealt with largely, but a lot of people in the community have said, you know, this isn't a one-off incident. This is something that our kids deal with to, to varying degrees pretty frequently. So do you have any thoughts about how you would work to support students of color who might be feeling that way? I mean, it's 
it's heartbreaking that that happened and the students of color likely experience things like hopefully not that egregious but definitely experience discrimination and um, you know, being singled out for their color. And I think that is, I think that's terrible. I think that we do need to recognize that this is a problem probably in all of our schools and we need to be teaching students that the the differences in our skin color or the differences in whom we live with or any number of things um, are just that, they're differences. And some students will come to school with benefits and privileges that other students don't have. And that does not vilify students with specific privileges. But with those, we need to work to help those that don't. We need to use that privilege and resources that not every student that comes to FCPS has to um, support support those students. All right. Well, as we get ready to wrap up here, um, this is a really crowded field this year. We have 16 candidates, which is the most in many years. Mm -hmm. So to put it simply, why should voters pick you as opposed to the other 15 candidates on the ballot? Can you talk to me about what you think maybe sets you apart or, or what perspective you might bring to the table? Well, I think I bring a unique perspective, being a mom of many. And one of the things, well, I've learned lots of things, being a mom of many kids. I've learned how to help people work through conflict resolution. I felt, you know, I know how to help people compromise when they don't agree with one another. I think one of the greatest things I have learned and I'm still learning is that each of my children are individuals and what works and benefits one of my children might not another. And if that applies in my my family, then how much more does that apply system-wide? Um, that there, we need to see all nearly 46,000 FCPS students as individuals and what that looks like is gonna be unique for each student, for each school, different schools have different um, demographics of students and different challenges. But if we're really going to work to fulfill the state admission of FCPS by reaching and challenging and preparing students, that needs to be done on an individual level. All right, was there anything else I haven't asked about that you think is important to touch on before we wrap this up? Um, no, I don't. I think you've been very thorough. All right. Well, Dusty Thomas, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me.